I'm in a good mood. I'm full of joy. Why? Purim's tonight, and we're talking joy. Rabbi E in three, two, one. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Rabbi E in 3. I'm Rabbi Yosef Edelstein, Rabbi E for short, and this podcast is a short burst of Jewish wisdom that I hope will elevate and illuminate your life. And I hope that this episode will bring you special simcha, joy, because that's the topic. Not joy in general, though that's a very important topic, but the special joy of the wondrous, underappreciated, holy day of Purim which is actually tonight. I'm recording this on the eve of Purim, and we're going to talk about some of the special aspects of the holiday. And even if you listen to this podcast in the middle of August, it's okay because we're going to try to draw from the holiday eternal lessons that can make our lives better. Okay, so we know that Purim is a holiday after the events that happened some 2,500 years ago. There was an extermination plot against the Jewish people by an evil person called Haman, Think Hitler. I don't say that flippantly. Very similar. Um, ancient Persian Empire. Haman had the means and the plan in place to exterminate the Jewish people. And of course, we were saved. The events are recorded beautifully in the book of Esther. And at the end of the book of Esther, it also mentions how, or it describes how, the holiday was established among the Jewish people. A holiday that will go on forever, it says. The, the, day, the Purim will never cease from among the Jewish people. This beautiful, beautiful holiday of merrymaking and feasting and sending delicacies of food called Shalach Monos to one another and gifts to the poor. By the way, of course, in these difficult COVID times, some of the joy of Purim, I hope it won't be muted. It might be less extensive in terms of how many people, friends and family were together with, and we have to be careful, but you know what? It's still Purim, and it's still that special, joyous, unbelievable day. Okay, so, but what's, that? that's the story. We were saved. What's the joy? Well, obviously the first level is saved from physical extermination. So the joy of Purim is I'm alive as a Jew. And not just me, the Jewish people is alive. And meaning we're alive after so many Hamans, meaning we have a special joy of being saved from Haman that we celebrate on Purim, but it's a day of reaffirming the eternal nature of the Jewish people, right? We've had many enemies and they've definitely Haman slash Hitler, the most lethal of them, but all the enemies have fallen by the wayside and we as a people are still here. Mark Twain pointed that out. Tolstoy pointed that out. The joy of the Jewish people and of being an eternal people. Now, it's more than just physical existence because on Purim, we're really tapping into the spiritual joy of being Jewish. You might say, what does that have to do with the story? Well, our rabbis explain that after the events transpired, the Jewish people of the time reaccepted the covenant with God into their hearts in a much deeper way, out of a much greater sense of love. We'll talk about why in a second. But So Purim for us is a day to to reconnect to the beauty, the inner illumination of the Torah and its commandments, and more broadly, the values of Judaism. The Judaism, the Torah, a world of seeing the good in each other, a world of chesed, kindness, of rachamim, of compassion, of holiness, of connecting the physical to something higher, which was the precise opposite of Haman and his ideology. Haman was 
descended from Amalek, arch enemy of the Jewish people, and our, who attacked us when we came out of Egypt. And the, our rabbis explained that Amalek's worldview was based on cruelty and war and randomness, a world without pattern, without divine providence, without holiness. What does the word Purim mean? Why do we call the holiday Purim? Haman cast a lottery to figure out which day to exterminate the Jewish people on, a world of randomness. So we celebrate on Purim the destruction, not just of Haman and not just of our physical enemies, but really it's a foretaste of the destruction of that whole evil Amalek worldview of randomness, of no God, of no holiness, of a world where a human being can do whatever they want, might is right, really think Adolf Hitler. I don't say that flippantly, but if you read the words of Adolf Hitler in his table talk, as he said, uh, the conversations recorded in the wartime, you'll see that cruel, merciless, godless worldview. We celebrate with joy the eradication, not complete 100% yet, but the eradication of that in our lives. Wow, a joy from finding God who seemed hidden, right? It seemed random. It seemed like the Jews' uh, fate was uh, just at the roll of a dice, a lottery, but God was hidden behind the events. We saw that as a people. We affirmed that in our hearts on Purim, that even when our own individual lives or the life of the Jewish people or the world for that matter seems confused, disconnected, there's no pattern. There is a pattern. God is behind the scenes. He's in charge, and ultimately we'll see that more clearly. But we as Jews, through Purim and other times in our history, are trained to see behind the seeming randomness and find God. That's beautiful. That's actually Megillas Esther, because that means the scroll of Esther, but a deeper meaning is the revelation of what's hidden. God is sometimes hidden, but we can, when we look for him, we can find him in our lives, in the world, and deep in ourselves as well. The joy of finding God, the joy of unity and togetherness of the Jewish people. Haman had told Achishverosh when he said he wanted to exterminate them that there are people that's divided among themselves. They fight, they bicker, they're disunited. We have to come together on Purim. Esther, at the pinnacle of the story, tells Mordechai to call the Jewish people of Shushan together to fast for her. She saw the power of the unity and the spiritual unity of the Jewish people turning our hearts back to Hashem. So the joy of unity and togetherness, the joy of my own inner goodness and holiness as a Jewish person. Are we supposed to feel that on Purim? Oh, yes, we are. That's one of the reasons behind the drinking on Purim. You don't have to drink and certainly not drink and get drunk, get stupid or whatever, but there is an idea of rejoicing with wine or with drink because A, the, the quote-unquote miracle, the hidden miracle of Purim was furthered along, if you read the story, by wine. All the main events transpired over wine. So we relive the miracle when we drink wine, but on a deeper level, we open up what's inside of us. And deep down, we're good and we're holy. Great rabbis have always told me, right, if, if you think you're going to drink a little bit on Purim and, and not nice stuff is going to come out, then don't drink so much. But it's just about revealing the inner goodness and holiness in, in each one of us. That's part of the story. Again, one doesn't have to drink and be very careful of that. But that's all the joy, the joy of physical survival, the spiritual joy of being a Jew, keeping Torah and the mitzvot, the beautiful values of Judaism opposite of the godless atheism of a Haman or a Hitler the joy of togetherness, the joy of finding God in our lives, how he runs them, and of finding God in ourselves. Wow, that's a lot of joy. I got to have a call to action, I'm told, at the end of a podcast. Well, yeah, subscribe to Rabbi Ian 3 for sure, but the call to action is rejoice on Purim. Have a feast of your own. Try to see the goodness in yourself and, and look for God in your life more diligently and God willing, we'll find him there and in our hearts. Whoa, 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 whoa. I guess I have to end with, well, hear me next time.